0: The trail is gone. We retrace our steps, moving a few hundred feet to the right and back to the left. Like vapor, the trail has disappeared. We can't see the top of the mountain to regain our bearings. Neither one of us has our cell phones to call Tim or Jonathan or look up our positioning on a GPS. Clint looks to my expertise. I spot a drainage. Let's follow this drainage down. It should lead us to the lake halfway down. So we go. Immediately, I'm worried. Clint, my brother, is not. He trusts my judgment, but all of a sudden, I don't trust my judgment. Long ago, when I was on a mountain rescue team, I remember someone saying, if you're lost, just follow the drainage down. It has to lead you to safer ground below. Welcome to the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast from The Climbing Zine. I am Luke Mihal. This is episode 27, Lost. As the name suggests, this episode is about a time I got lost with my younger brother, Clint, from New York City. It was quite a trip and quite a very humbling learning lesson. This story was originally published in my... Second book, The Great American Dirt Bags, it's one of three collections of short stories that I have. You can get a copy of that book at the link in our show notes, and that link will also give you 25% off anything in our online store. And as I always say, picking up an item in our online store is the best way to support this podcast and to support The Climbing Zine. Let's get into it. Episode 27, Lost. What was that? One of us asks. No one can answer what the loud, popping, snapping noise was. It's too soon for hunting season, so probably not a gun. We keep running. Our run is actually a combination of running and fast hiking. We are doing a lap up Engineer, the most popular moderate mountain around Durango. On most days, there's a full parking lot of 20 cars and 50 hikers on the trail. Today, it's just us and a handful of other people. It's rainy and cold. A fog surrounds everything. We're a few hundred feet from the top but we can't see the summit. The calendar says summer, but fall is certainly in the air, with a hint of winter. It's always winter somewhere in Colorado. My eye is on my brother as we leave the trail and scramble to the top. Loose, wet rock with a steep drop-off. He's a married man, visiting from New York City. Clint's life is beyond his life, and his life is in my hands. Jonathan wants to go to the top, I am hesitant because my brother is with us. Tim is patient and waits to see what everyone decides. Tim is always patient. Sometimes, for the sake of adventure, you have to go for it. So, we go for it. We scramble on a third-class ridge like climbers. My brother scrambles like an athlete, but not a climber. You can tell a climber by the way they use their feet, delicate and precise. The drop-off is covered in fog. How far the fall would be is shrouded in a milky layer of clouds. I imagine if he did slip, how would I stop him? Fuck. 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 How did this happen? We made it through the technical slippery finish. And here we are, four hours later. Lost. Wet and lost. Wet and lost and cold. Clint is finally worried. I've been worried ever since we lost the trail and started down this drainage. Four hours later, we are still in the same drainage. It's so cloudy that I can't tell where the sun is. We have nothing but the wet clothes on our backs and one small water bottle. We haven't stopped moving ever since we decided to start down this drainage. I thought it would take us back on the trail. We lost the trail in a momentary lapse in concentration We've crossed the icy cold creek maybe 30 times, zigging and zagging back and forth. On the inside, I'm full of fear, doubt, and dread. On the outside, my words are calm, collected, and encouraging that with each crossing in the stream, we're getting closer to the trail, the road, something. I hope we're headed to the highway, but we could be headed deeper into the wilderness. Night is approaching And all I can think about is the three unplanned nights I've stayed out in the wild. But I always had layers, and it was always dry. You never know how big the price is for a simple mistake until you have to pay for it. I only see Clint once or twice a year. When we were kids, we used to fight every day. As the older brother, I teased him and beat him up. Until at 15, he started playing football and lifting weights, and I was no longer stronger than him. Then, a peace treaty of sorts was signed. We finally became friends. In higher education, we took two different paths. He ended up learning a law degree in Chicago while I studied at a liberal arts college in the Rocky Mountains. Now he's a lawyer in New York City, and I'm a writer in Colorado. We get along famously, and I cherish every moment with him. On paper, we are different. In the heart, we are the same. This is his first visit to Durango, and I want to show him the flavor of my new home. Yesterday was a zip-up to Telluride, where we went to a going-away party at a tiny house for a local celebrity. We camped in his front yard, awaking to waterfalls, mountains, and cool fall morning air. It's always winter somewhere in Colorado. After a quick breakfast, we blaze back to Durango. We're throwing a beach party at the golf wall. It's almost always summer somewhere. Durango. We often describe our little beloved chunk of limestone, known as the golf wall, as hanging out at the beach. The hands of God oriented it to be a solar center, and with the minimal effort it takes to hang out and lounge at the sun, well, it feels like a beach. A decent percentage of my life is spent in this leisurely state. It's what keeps me young. I call Clint my younger, older brother because, well, he is. He's got more salt and pepper in his hair, is more responsible, and generally lives like an adult. I'm chasing a dream with a lifestyle that matches a 20-something. Clint knows how to have fun, though, and he's loving this beach party we're having at the golf wall. We've got beach balls, squirt guns, a cooler full of drinks, and fake mustaches. Most importantly, Clint connects with my friends. He trades good-natured insults and gets a taste of the funky climbing culture I've been telling him about for years. At the end of the day, only one of us is sober enough to drive. We leave my car at the parking lot and pack seven of us into one car. And the next day, we plan to retrieve it after hiking, engineer. Mind at ease, body hungover. We're past the technical difficulties. Jonathan and Tim ahead in the distance, out of sight because of the fog. Clinton and I jog along another 30 minutes and we'll be out of this cold, wet rain and back to the car. But somehow, we lose the trail. I swear we were just on it. The trail is gone. We retrace our steps, moving a few hundred feet to the right and back to the left. Like vapor, the trail has disappeared. We can't see the top of the mountain to regain our bearings. Neither one of us has cell phones to call Tim or Jonathan or look up our positioning on a GPS. Clint looks at my expertise. I spot a drainage. Let's follow this down. It should lead us to the lake halfway down the trail. So we go. Immediately, I'm worried. Clint is not. He trusts my judgment, but all of a sudden, I don't trust my judgment. Long ago, when I was on a mountain rescue team, I remember someone saying, If you're lost, just follow the drainage down. It has to lead to safer ground below. So we commit to the drainage. With each passing minute, the fear inside slowly builds. We're wet and cold and lost, my inner guide says. My outer guide directs Clint. Okay, be careful here, as we cross the stream from one side to the other. He's clueless about my dull but piercing fear. We cross the stream so many times I lose count. I'm praying for the sight of the road. An hour goes by, two hours, three hours, four hours... We are still hiking down the drainage, soaking. Clint is fearful by now, out of that basic human fear for being cold and so far from warmth and shelter. This is the single greatest adventure my brother and I have shared, I think. And it may lead to a night in the wilderness, wet and cold and probably leading to hypothermic conditions. But I must be in the moment as we tiptoe across the stream again. A broken angle could be the worst thing in the world. I step on a rock that shifts under my weight to another that does the same. I must balance and take care. Clint follows. We move swiftly along the riverside. The one piece of technology that we have, the time. Clint looks at his watch and updates me. The later it is, the more worried I am. I wish I knew for sure that we were headed in the right direction. The sun is buried in fog and has been all day. I just hope we're headed to that great highway instead of deeper into the wilderness. The buried sun is our only source of light. We don't have a headlamp or even a lighter. Finally, finally, after four and a half hours in this drainage of being lost, we come across a sign of civilization, a small hunting camp next to the river. This is good, I think. This is something. I express that sentiment to Clint confidently. Inside, I think about the nights I've spent naked to the world, out in the wild, Unplanned without a sleeping bag, stuck in a rock face, climbs that took two days instead of the only planned one day. They were transformational experiences, shivering under the stars of the night with good friends. Two men huddled together out of sheer necessity. One time we were so cold we wrapped our ropes around our bodies and shivered, but we were never wet. We were always dry, cold but dry, little danger of hypothermia. And here we are, the night approaching, wet, wearing shorts, and no idea where we are. We have to take that hunting camp as a good sign. Ten minutes later, we see another, a rusted can of beans in a long-abandoned campfire. And then 15 minutes later, another, a hanging rack for a killed deer or elk. Twenty minutes later after that, a bridge. A bridge! There's a 40-foot limestone wall and a small waterfall. In that bridge. We have to be close to a road, I exclaim. Spirits are higher, and we run, and we are running for our lives at this point, the very essence of running, the running that was running before it was a sport. Neither one of us have taken a sip of water for five hours. Clint has never even been on a mountain run, something I've been doing for years and years now at this point. He's not adjusted to the altitude, but he's crushing it. I'm proud of him, But at that moment, I can't be proud. I can only expect. Expect that he can continue this performance until we find our way. And then I start to think I know where we are. Cascade Creek. And, like the thought of being proud of my brother, I can barely process. I think about Jonathan and Tim searching for us. They waited at the meadow just down the trail. A place where we usually meet up. We didn't show up. They hiked back to look for us and saw us. Phantoms. It was not us. They ran all the way down to the parking lot. They drove up and down the highway. They went back to the parking lot, worried. And then Jonathan ran back up, again, and then he remembered that noise we heard earlier in the day. It sounded like a shotgun. It was a gunshot. The first victims, and we were next. Fear. Fear overcame his psyche he could be running to his own death he was okay with it If this is how i go this is how i go but nothing no one not us not anything but a deep mysterious lingering fog the sun was going down he yelled and yelled for us but nothing and we are immersed in that same fog the joyous buzz of running wears off not a sign of civilization or humanity on the trail. I think I know where we are, but it's just an inclination. Maybe a hope. We're going to spend the nights out in the cold with nothing to protect ourselves from the elements? We ran for three miles on that trail that we hoped would lead us to a road. For 15 years, I've been trying to get away from society, to get closer to nature, and now all I want in the world is to see a sign of humanity. I've never lost before. Never. I've read reports about people who get lost and analyzed them and found their mistakes. I worked in mountain rescue and looked for hunters who were lost and I thought I was better than they were. I've climbed the tallest cliffs in Colorado and California and thought I was an experienced outdoorsman, that I had something figured out. I am humbled to the core and all I want to see is a house, a person, a road, anything. After those three miles, I suggest we turn around. Clint does not argue, but his confidence in me is waning. He's worried now, I can tell. We're both worried, so we run back. We continue to run for our lives, but there is no more joy, only survival. We pass the bridge by the waterfall again. I scope it out. That would be where we would go when the night came. We would at least be protected from the rain. We could get cold and huddle together like I did before on the rock walls. And then we come to a fork in the trail. There is a fire pit by it and a tree that kept the area dry. This would be where we would stay tonight, I think again. I vote to go right up the trail, something up the hillside, something that might lead to something. Clint suggested we go the other way, left into a meadow of green, skirting the hillside. I go with his instinct. I am the experienced Colorado mountain man, but my judgment is clearly off. I got us lost. We go left. Damn, if we weren't lost, this would be a beautiful moment with my brother. All of my best friends, our bonds, have been cemented by defining moments in the wild. When we trusted our lives to one another and we emerged different, that after the experiences, we were somehow better for it. All around was the majestic beauty of Colorado that saved my life so long ago that gave me something to live for. Now it's all up in the air. Will we survive this night out in the open? I look to my left, across the river, and there are more limestone cliffs and waterfalls. The waterfalls run for hundreds of feet down the cliffside. And what do those limestone walls look like up close, I wonder, barely. Someday will I return to this trail in a reflective state of mind, remembering that day we got lost. We run, and then we see smoke, a sign of something. As we get closer, we see an outfitter's tent with a wood stove billowing out a healthy stream of smoke, a legitimate structure. We approach the tent with the desperation that two lost people have. We catch the couple off guard. Sorry to bother you, but we're lost We started the day up on engineer. Um, Do you have a map or could you tell us where we are? I am too desperate to feel ashamed. And then i take stock in my surroundings. There's a pie. Wait, no, it's a a cheesecake, a no-bake cheesecake. I take in a deep breath and smell the cheesecake and the burning wood, and I know we will be okay. They're calm and helpful Some unspoken code that people in the outdoors will try to help out one another. They get out a map. They show us where we are. We were running in the wrong direction. We were a mile from the road when we turned around. They gave us a headlamp. I promised to return it, but they refused. They saved us. We run joyfully again past the bridge. I look at the cliffs and waterfalls and promise myself to return and retrace these steps. We are in Cascade Canyon a beautiful little limestone paradise. Our hips and legs ache, but we continue to run past the point where we turned around. And then there's a house and another house, and we are happy. We find the dirt road and come out to the highway. We stick our thumbs out to hitchhike. In a minute, a truck stops. It's a couple in their 40s, and the woman has a bouquet of flowers on her lap. They were returning from Crested Butte, my old stomping grounds, on the radio is Black Alicious, one of my favorite hip-hop groups. This is Cosmic, and these people are nice. The woman lets me borrow her phone to text Tim. I have his number memorized from the days before I had a cell phone. He texts right back, and I sense the relief in his words. The couple drops us off at my car, parked by the golf wall from the beach party the day before. My keys are in Jonathan's truck. We sit and wait in the cold until Jonathan and Tim show up. A few empty, cold, yet relieved moments. Over dinner, we discussed our airs, and I told Jonathan and Tim the experience was probably worse for them. While terrifying for us, we at least had the control of knowing. They had no idea what was happening. They would have called for a rescue team to start searching for us in the morning. I felt bad and humbled, but more relieved than anything. Tonight, we'd sleep in beds and would be warm and happy. The next day, sore and exhausted, the sun was out again. We went climbing at a local crag that overlooks town called East Animus. It was hot and we basked in the base of the rocks. It's almost always summer somewhere in Durango. It was one of those days where climbing is not the main part of climbing. I set up a top rope for Tim, and he still had the energy and gumption to climb. I was proud. We talked about the previous day and tried to bring it to life. It was the past already. Today was all bluebird sunshine. But my brother and I had had a great adventure, and we had a story. I'd been lost, truly lost, for some hours, and that humbled me. At the time of this story... I was in my mid-30s, more fit than I'd ever been, the prime of my existence for endurance sports. The deep lust and hunger of my 20s is replaced with a small inkling of wisdom that knows pure enthusiasm often just gets you into trouble. And now, I know just a simple run you've done before can turn into an epic, especially when you're in the wild. Maybe it was complacency that got us into this trouble. Maybe it was not opting to bring a phone, or a headlamp, or even a lighter. The lesson of this experience will stay with me, I hope. When I was younger, I climbed for my soul. Now, I also run for it. I know a truth in my life. I need to have great experiences in the wild to be who I am, to self-actualize. What was a terrifying experience, wondering if I'd just gotten my brother into more trouble than we'd ever been in our lives, has turned into a story. And the more beers, the easier the story is to tell. He told his wife, and then we told our parents, and over the holidays, Grandma got to hear the story. Our greatest adventure ever together as brothers, and we survived together. I wanted to retrace those steps this fall, but winter's blanket of snow came and covered it up. Spring is in the air now, and the white of snow will soon be replaced with dirt. When that happens, I'll lace up my running shoes and head into that canyon to revisit those waterfalls and limestone walls to see if they are like I remembered them. And remember that first time that I was lost. That was episode twenty-seven of the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast, Lost. And after I wrote this story, had one of the coolest things happened. I was um, was at a, a storytelling event uh, called the Raven Narratives, and actually, the very first episode of this podcast is uh, a recording of a story I told at a previous Raven Narratives. But at this one, I was I was retelling this story. It was like a Um, An open mic style uh, event a lot of times you work on your stories and read them and then sometimes they just have these nights where it's uh, more of an open mic style and they pick your name out of a hat and I told this story and the craziest thing happened right when I was done I uh, heard this audience member stand up and she was like that was me that was me in the tent way back in the woods that told you where to go And it was seriously the coolest moment and so grateful for those strangers that helped us out that day and so grateful they were actually camped there because we still would have been very clueless where we were. As I said in the top of the show, the number one way to support this podcast and to support the climbing zine is to buy some stuff from us. You can check the link in our show notes and that will also give you 25% off anything in our online store music for this episode was from Ketza. chad rich is our digital editor and producer and i'm luke mihal coming at you from durango colorado finally got some snow here and we're stoked